and bless the Lord. Come on, just say bless. Hands lifted everywhere. Oh, my soul, say oh, my soul. And all, and all. Thank you, Jesus. And he has done great things. Ephesians chapter 6. And he. Verse 10. I'm going to jump right in Ephesians chapter 6 verse uh, 10 and onward we're only going to read the first part um, and you know there's just so much to share but so little time on Sundays that's why you got to come out on Thursday uh, to Lifeline another shameless plug um, and you know we're going to extend this series for a little bit so that we can cover what we need to cover Bible says verse 10 finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might everybody say his might Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. In other words, the the plans of the devil. But not only this, but it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness Sounds like we're, you know, reading like a Star Wars movie or something, you know, and people think this stuff is just figurative and all. No, he's, he's speaking literally about the spiritual world, the unseen world that ultimately is behind everything, behind everything that we see, both good and both evil. And so he says our war is not fleshly. It's not a carnal war. Then he goes on and says against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor. Everybody say the whole armor. The whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And then we're just going to read the rest of this in the first word in verse 14. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. And so as we jump into this message today, I'm excited about this series around warfare. You know, I'm which is one of those people that absolutely hates snow. Any witnesses? Uh, but I hate snow and I hate cold uh, and mosquitoes too. But, you know, but snow and cold is just nuts to me. I don't understand, yo, what type of crazy man are out there that be talking about how they like to go out there and jump and make snow angels and all them type of business. You know, I want to stay in my house. 
and I'll look at it from outside and it looks pretty. I'll even, I even like the frost on the window and stuff. But I just don't like being cold. And I don't personally just don't like snow. The thing is, though, right, as much as I don't like snow, you know, and some of y'all always ask me, why in the world did you move back to Toronto from California? Yo, that's how you know there's a God. Because the only reason I left not having to even check the forecast, like, it, it does not rain in, Calif- in Southern California. The song is right. Like, it is serious. And we, li- like, we did not have to check the forecast at all. There was no snow. I could see the snow in the mountains. We could go visit the snow for a day and then come back down and go to the beach in the same day. That's how crazy it was. And so, but God called us back to Toronto, right? And so when I came back, you know, and having to deal with it, the thing is that, you know, because of how much I dislike it, I just, I just got rebellious, fam. Like, I'm like, you know, even though it's cold outside, I'm not going to wear no socks. I'm not going to, I'm just going to just go outside like it, and just go on like it's not cold, you know? Even up to last night, I just realized when we went out to uh, this engagement party and, and uh, people were looking at me and they're just like, yo, fam, you're wearing a, a, a windbreaker. <laughs> like, this is not windbreaker weather. And it's because there's just a thing in me that just thinks, yo, this is going to pass. You know, it's just going to go away just quick time, you know. And so the fact of the matter is every time, every now and again, I rebel. But then when I rebel, when I go outside, I start to feel the effects of the cold. My feet usually start swelling and get cold because I'm like, man, I don't want to wear socks. I know you're looking at me crazy, but that's okay. Just allow me. I'm being honest. You know, and I start feeling chilly and, and, and I start complaining. I tell my wife, I'm like, babe. Cold and I'm freezing, and she's just looking at me like, mm hmm. Like, it's your fault that you were not prepared for the weather. Fact of the matter is, this is not Southern California. So, consequently, uh, you are going to have to deal with snow and cold and/or cold at some point in your while you are living in places where it gets snow and where there is cold. And so it's my choice. Everybody say my choice. It's my choice whether or not I decide to prepare. Because the fact of the matter is, even though it's cold outside, I don't have to be freezing because, you know, somebody got smart enough and they decided to make something called boots. Some things, you know, there's there's toques or um, or I don't know what other name. I just know we call it. Pardon me. Parkas and sweaters and you know, and scars and long johns. Anybody grateful for the long john ministry? And so there are all sorts of articles of clothing that we can wear to prevent us from experiencing the extreme effects of the cold. But the level of comfort that we experience is based upon how prepared we are for the weather. There's a church in this place that's going to stay with me this morning. Because I can complain, but if I'm not doing what's necessary to make sure and to ensure that I am warm in the weather that I can avoid. If I'm I'm not doing my part, I can expect to experience uh, comfort. And so it is in this life, even as we've been talking about this series, this ready series. And it's all around the whole concept of being prepared. Everybody say people. Being prepared. Being prepared for spiritual warfare. The fact of the matter is that as long as you are breathing, you and I 
are going to be to the place where we are going to experience some sort of satanic attack. We are going to experience it. Some of you don't realize it, but you're experiencing it right now. Many of the things that transpire in our lives, you know, and it may even happen in seasons, just like the cold. It's not always winter, right? But there's seasons when the winter shows up. And so the fact of the matter is that we are called and Paul calls us and challenges us in this passage to be ready for spiritual warfare. To be ready, to be prepared. Because the level of our preparedness determines the level of our victory that we experience as we walk and we experience warfare. Are you still with me this morning? And so, you know, the fact of the matter is this. As I told you, I often will rebel. And I'm like, you know what? I just want to do things my own way. I just want to do stuff the way that I want to do it because, you know, I'm just going to act like snow is not there. I'm going to act like it's not cold. And as a result, I don't, I was not experiencing comfort. And it's, it's really rebellion. And I find in scripture, in First uh, Samuel chapter 15, you can write this down. First Samuel chapter 15, I encourage note taking so that you can go and look at this stuff during the week and you can also you know go deeper into it especially if you're planning to be there on thursday night another shameless plug for lifeline <laughs> but first samuel chapter 15 we find a story where god commands saul you know they're in this place where they are obviously in a position to uh you know where where they are fighting and they're protecting the people of god and god commands saul to go in and completely eradicate the amalekites he goes, go, God tells him, go in and wipe out all of them. And remember, you know, this is a different time period. God's not telling you to go and wipe out anything. Hello, somebody. But in this, the principle is still the same. He tells them to go and wipe out all of the Amalekites to not leave any of them alive. And in fact, and this is, you know, for those who are interested, First Samuel is in the first half of the Bible. And so when he declares this to them, you know, he makes it clear that they're not supposed to leave anyone. They're not. And so what happens is Saul, everybody say Saul. Saul decided to go and do what he wanted to do. He decided, you know what? Instead of doing all that God says, I'm going to use my rationale. I, because, because I'm omniscient like God. Not. I'm going to try and, and, and decide that I'm going to spare some of them. Oh, man, I can't, I, I can't wipe that person out. I can't wipe. The, I'm, oh, the, that, that part of the herd, I'm, no, there's no way. I can't, you know, I can't take that. Oh, man, Bambi. You mean you want me to get rid of Bambi? You know, and he decides that he's going to keep some people back and that there's, they're going to spare some of the animals and all this when God says wipe it all out. And the fact of the matter is, look at where, you know, you may have heard this verse before, but you may not have heard it in context. And so this is the context that the following verse actually fits in. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23, and some translations may say it differently. It's declared to him for, and in fact, you know what? Let's go from verse 22. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Are you seeing it there? 
and to listen than the fat of rams. And here it is. Watch this. Verse 23. For rebellion. Everybody say rebellion. Is as a sin as witchcraft. Some translations say as divination. Right? Divination, witchcraft, the same thing. This, this ability this, when people are in, possessed by, um, by an unholy spirit. And oftentimes have the ability to forecast things and say things. You know, psychics operate in a spirit of divination. It's not the spirit of God. And I've been coming against this, you know, week by week. And this is a sin. And so here he's saying that rebellion. One more time, say rebellion. Rebellion. The, the act where when you know something is wrong, right? Or you've received command from the Lord to do something. And you decide, and I decide, I'll include myself, to do part of it. And I think it's ironic that he compares it to divination or witchcraft when we're teaching on spiritual warfare. But he says, rebellion or doing part of it or not following the instructions of the Lord and thinking you're doing something good because you're doing part of it. He says it's in the same category as witchcraft or divination. And so I showed up to tell somebody on Serve City's anniversary to let you know that in order for us to be able to walk in victory in our lives and for God to be pleased with the with our, what we are doing, we've got to be to a place where we are walking in total. Somebody say total. Total obedience to what it is that God is instructing and telling us to do. And I get it. No perfect people allowed. I understand. But there's supposed to be progression. There's supposed to be growth that is taking place. And many of us, we have been Christian for years and years and years. And we're dealing with the same things. And oftentimes it's not just because it's a hang up. But sometimes it's because we're just being rebellious as opposed to doing what God has told us to do. Who am I talking to on this morning? And I don't know, you know, and I've been there in this place and I just believe that God wants our house to walk in victory. Come on, somebody say victory. God wants, and and that's why I'm to the place where I'm not looking to step on anybody's toes or or tread lightly or I want to see you in victory. And the only way that you and I are going to walk in victory is if we get to the place where we're willing to do what God has told us to do. Can I tell you, I want to leave you with this. The fact of the matter is you can't do things your way and expect godly results. Fick it, fick it. Don't do things your way and expect godly results. What I mean by this is many of us, we've been attempting to do things the way that we desire to do them. We've been walking them out, trying to fix situations and come up against the warfare that the enemy sends our way. And we're doing it our way. Come on. And we're not we're not walking things out the way that God has called us to. And consequently, because we're doing part of it instead of all of it, we're experiencing partial victory when God's desire is for total victory. And this is why I love as we go back to Ephesians chapter 6. I won't be before you long, but he says here in the text, note this. He says, finally be strong in the Lord, verse 10, and in the strength of his might. Then note what he says. Put on the whole armor. See it in the text? We've been in this same passage and I'm going to keep milking it until we get everything out of there. He says, put on 
the whole armor. One more time. Say the whole armor. The whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then he goes on and he says it again in verse 13 after he makes it clear that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against spiritual wickedness in high places. He says in verse 13, therefore, for for emphasis, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And then he says, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. You know, I mean, it's... When I think about it, so note this. He's saying, don't rebel against the whole thing. Don't just put on any type of a jacket. Put on a winter jacket. He said, don't, it's not enough for you to just wear shoes outside. Put the socks on inside the shoes. I'm just talking about, can I talk about myself? Because you can't go out, because this is the problem. We go out and we complain. But we're doing half. When he said, put on the whole armor and rebellion as uh, is as a sin as witchcraft or divination. And I just want to call somebody out today. Come on, somebody. That spirit of rebellion that has been hindering you from walking in what God has called you to do. I come for you today and I call you into freedom. I declare liberty over this house. Whatever it is that's been holding you bound, it's time for you to get out. Come on, somebody. I curse that spirit of rebellion. I command you to loose off the mind, off the will, come on, off the soul, Break your hold, loose your hold, freedom over this house right now in Jesus' name. Somebody give God praise if you believe freedom is coming. See, there's something that we call, uh, you know, when people talk to you about weight loss, you know, uh, we think that, okay, it's the beginning of the year. And so what I got to do is I just got to go bust my tail in the gym. And most of us, you know, we get those keychains. Hallelujah. Those fit for less keychains and you know they're on there and they you know some of they has all sorts of gunk and junk on there. We used it maybe like two times. But most times we think about, you know, if you don't want to say amen, say ouch. But at the end of the day, you know, most of us when we think of losing weight or weight loss, we think of just going to the gym. We think of going and running and doing all this sorts of stuff and you know, Antoine and Sylvia would uh, I'm sure would agree with me in letting you know that, you know, in most cases, even as it pertains to weight loss, they say about 80% of the weight loss is diet. It's not just exercise, but it's diet and exercise. And many of us, if I could just talk about it, many of us, we're okay with one of them. Come on. But you like those pork rinds. And you like putting the salt on there, stacking it up before you even taste the food. And then you're complaining about your blood sugar and your blood pressure being high. Who am I talking to? So you okay with going and walking for two minutes and getting off like, oh, I did a good job. And then you go home and look in the mirror and you're like, nothing happened. I quit. It's not just exercise but it's diet and exercise even if you're trying to gain weight come on somebody you gotta eat and you gotta exercise Di- everybody say in fact say this to me say diet and exercise 
It's not one or the other. It's both that are necessary for you to get the victory in your body. Whether you're trying to lose it, whether you're trying to tone it, whether you're trying to gain it, whatever you're trying to do, it's the combination. Come on, somebody. And this is why Paul is telling us, I feel the preach creeping up on me, so I'm going ahead and jump on the bus. The fact of the matter is, Paul is saying, don't put on half of the armor. But if you want to withstand against the wiles and the schemes, the Greek, the methodea of the devil, you've got to put on the whole armor of God not the half armor half tailing in the spirit and wondering why we're getting jacked up diet and exercise and he lists the armor and this is why I'm telling you as it pertains to spiritual warfare help me preach this Jesus we got to get to the place where we understand you know when I it's, it, listen it is it is pointless for you to lock Three of the four doors on your car. Who's with me this morning? It is pointless for you to get out your car and talk about I'm going to lock the driver's seat. I'm going to lock the back door. I'm going to lock this, but I'm going to leave the passenger side open. And then walk away feeling secure. And many of you, you've been walking in false security. Who am I talking to? Because you think, oh man, I feel this thing. I hope I'm helping somebody. Because you've been walking around with three doors locked. Come on. And you then you get mad when the thief comes and breaks in. My Bible says the thief comes to do nothing, John 10, 10, but to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, uh, Second Peter chapter 5 makes it clear. No, no, First Peter chapter 5 makes it clear that the devil is like a roaring lion walking around. See, he's waiting he's looking for that door to come on be unlocked and so we're walking around with this false sense of security we pat ourselves on the back and we're like we're straight can i just help myself and he says put on the whole armor of god but the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand. Don't lock three of the four doors and think that you're straight and that's just it. God has provisioned you. Watch this because somebody, this is, this is what I want you to peep. This is what I want you to understand. Look, because somebody's saying, well, Pastor Andrew, uh, you're telling me to do something that's impossible. You're always preaching about no perfect people allowed. You know, you're always preaching about this stuff and whatever. And how in the world am I supposed to do this? But I wonder if you note that it just for exegesis purposes in the passage, watch this. He starts by saying, finally, here it is. Be strong in the Lord. So God, watch this, is not going to tell you to do something that he's not going to give you the power and the strength to be able to accomplish. Come on. I wonder if it's somebody in this place that knows that if it was up to me, I would be walking half tailing it. I almost said something else, but we in church. So we've been walking. We would be walking half tailing it throughout this life. But I wonder if there's anybody in here that knows that he hasn't just told you to put on the whole armor, but he's providing his power and his strength. Come on, somebody to be able so that you and I can lock the doors that need locking in our lives well God just knows my heart yeah he does the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things am I in the Bible am I in the Bible he knows our heart and that's why we need grace yes praise the Lord but he provisions the grace not for us to just use it as a play as as a crutch and an excuse But he provisions his grace. I'm trying to get you guys to maturity. He provisions the grace so that we can have the strength to be able to walk out of bondage into a place of victory. Hallelujah. 
And then he goes on. Notice it. Notice. Notice. He says, "Having done all to stand, then stand." Everybody say, "All to stand." You know. And so, as I've been saying, don't do things your way and expect godly results. And so, I want to end by just talking. You know, every week I've been trying to focus on one of the areas of the armor. And I think this is very important as we talk about this, because note, as he goes on, he says in verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having all to d- d- done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Everybody say the belt of truth. And this is what a lot of people, and I give God praise for the culture of, uh, of authenticity and the culture of, you know, as Pastor, uh, Pastor Miko was sharing, was saying, you know, praising God for how real we are as a church. And this is something, because we realize that true life transformation only happens is in, in environments where it is, where authenticity is present. Who's with me this morning? You've got to be in an environment that challenges you to be real. And he says, put on the belt of truth. Now, primarily we can look at this passage and we realize that Paul is especially talking in regards to the gospel, right? Over false gospels or false religions. So he's saying, have your loins, your your intimate areas, especially protected with a belt of truth. So we already talked about the gospel. You're going to keep hearing about it, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and, you know, the internal life and relationship with God that he extends to all of us who would put trust and faith in him. The God, you're going to hear it over and over again. And so he's combating false gospels, first of all. And it's almost in every part of the armor. You can't get away from the gospel. So he says the belt of truth in this regard. But, you know, as it pertains to looking at it practically, uh, we can look at it secondarily as him crying out for authenticity and for ownership of where we truly are. I'm telling you, you know, you're hearing me say these things today and I want to challenge you about the blessing and the armor called truth. Everybody say truth. Where you guard yourself with truth. You know, the fact of the matter is that, as I tell you all the time, we when, most times Christianity and the reason why people can't get with Christians is because the man them are fake, fam. And we walk around and we act like we have it all together and people show up in church and, you, you know, we, like I tell you, we have our, our church stuff on and people come ask you how you're doing and you'll tell them I'm blessed of the Lord and highly favored when there's turmoil and hell raging on the inside. And the fact of the matter is that the devil jacks us up because of our default answers. When God oftentimes, I just feel the preach, has placed in the person that asked you many times how you're doing. He's placed the antidote to what it is that you're going through. But because you are walking around with your loins exposed and not covered with truth and authenticity, you can't get what it is that you need. And honestly, this is why the devil hits us with low blows. The devil hits you with low blows and makes impact when your loins are not girded about with truth and authenticity. Oh, man. I hope so. You see what I'm saying? Your loins girded up with the belt of truth. You know, and, and, and this is one of the one of the biggest entry points for satanic attack is any area wherever falsehood is present. Where 
falsehood is present. And I'm not just, you know, uh, Proverbs chapter, Proverbs chapter, write this down, 12 verse 22. The Bible says that, uh, that lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But those who deal truthfully are his delight. Lying lips. We think of liars, people that just lie, you know, and we will say, "Uh -uh, I can't deal with that person because they lie because they say something like I'm going to give you something and then they don't give it to you. But how many of us, even though you calling people liars because of what comes out of their mouth, you're lying with your life. include myself we are lying oftentimes with our lives even though we condemn folks for lying with their mouths and what i mean by this is not a bashing not a judging thing i'm just saying that god has not designed us and this is the cry of serve city church one of our biggest cries is one for authenticity because god can only meet you and protect you and deliver you in the places where you're able to be honest about what it is i love you note this in the passages and i just i I, i'm gonna go ahead because in it you'll find like in the story in john chapter 5 where jesus comes and meets this individual who is bound and he's at a pool called bethesda the bible says and i'm just going to reference this but the bible we find uh in verse 6 when jesus deals with him when jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time he said to him do you want to be healed He asks him, do you want to be made whole? And the reason why is because there are many of us that we've become so comfortable in our, in our, and it's, and it's, and and obviously this is an oxymoron, but we become comfortable in our falsehood. Come on. We've built a house. Come on. You have constructed a fortress. The devil has managed to entrap you in a stronghold of lies. And as a result, he's hitting you with low blows and you think that you're secure. But the three door lock is never going to keep you safe. Are you still with me? And then not only this, but victory as it pertains to the belt of truth is experienced in clutching to God's truth. Everybody say God's truth in the face of the facts. See, there's a difference as it pertains to the word of God between God's word and God's truth and the facts. Many of us, we sometimes think that they're one and the same. And consequently, we end up getting low blows because we're not guarded by the truth that's in God's word. The facts might say that you slept around with a lot of people before you came to Christ. The facts might, and in fact, I'm, I'm not going to go there yet, but the fact of the matter is, but the, that's my, that might be what the facts say. But the truth says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Who am I talking to? I wonder if there's anybody that's happy to be redeemed. All things are passed away. All things become new. So, so, so there's, there are facts, things that are factual that have taken place, but the truth of God's word trumps the facts. Somebody might show up 
And they might tell you the fact is that you were born and you were conceived out of relations, you know, out of a rape or a molestation or something of this nature. And consequently, you're not worth it. You're not going to be anything. Some of your parents might have looked at you in the face. They might have even have tried to abort you before you got here. I don't know who I'm talking to because you came and you thought you were a mistake. And the fact is that they didn't plan on you. Come on, somebody. But the truth is. Psalm 139 verse 14 says, behold, David says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so even though I might have shown up here in an unexpected way, and that might have been the fact, the truth is that before the foundations of the earth, I hear God tell Jeremiah, I knew you before you came into the earth and I ordained you to be a prophet. I don't know who I'm preaching to on this morning that's been being governed and ruled by the spiritual warfare of facts. But I showed up to this theater in Malvern on Serve City's second birthday to declare the truth of God's word that you are fearfully and wonderfully made tried it devil but the truth prevails Paul says I'm closing Paul says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 I want you to look at this because you're talking about defending yourselves Some of the greatest attacks come through family and people who are close to you that know the facts. And child, you've been out of this thing for over a decade. But there's still people in your life that try to pull you back to the facts. And you've got to understand that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Check out what Paul says. Paul is in a position in context where he is fighting and defending his ministry against against false teachers who are saying and declaring of him that you know against false apostles and people who are trying to downplay his ministry especially because of the facts of his past paul used to be a persecutor of christians that was a fact before he came to christ oh man i hope somebody gets free this morning but paul ends up becoming writing two-thirds of the new testament And God uses him massively. In fact, we know of grace and we know of freedom and all these things I'm talking about, especially through the ministry of Paul. The Bible says, look at what happens here. Paul says, uh, Paul says in in verses three and four, but I'll read from verse one. I, Paul, entreat you by the meek meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness uh, with such confidence towards you Negroes uh, as I count on showing against some who suspect of walking according to the flesh, Lee Wasteman. For though we walk in the flesh, am I in the text? He says... Though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, here he goes again, are not carnal or of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Here it is. Here it is. So he's saying, listen, there are youths that are out here trying to damage my character, fam. 
And he says, even though they're out here doing what they're doing and just wiling, he says, my weapons are not carnal. So even they, though they deserve a thug clap and a clap back, he says, I'm not going to respond the way that I feel. Because it's not really them that I got it with. It's the, who am I talking to? He says that, he says, we're not waging war, therefore, according to the flesh. And I don't know who I showed up to talk to, but the reason why many of you have been losing your battle is because you've been waging war against folks in the flesh. And my question to you is, what battles have you been fighting in with carnal, what spiritual battles have you been fighting with carnal weapons? Who am I talking to this morning? Paul defends, he defends, it's okay to be honest, we, we wear in the belt of truth. Glory to God. And he clarifies that we have divine warfare to the pulling downs of strongholds. And the word stronghold, everybody say stronghold. stronghold. Word stronghold in the Greek, because we know that the New Testament is written in Greek, is the word okuroma. Everybody say okuroma. You can put some little accent on okuroma. We're speaking in tongues now, hallelujah. And so, it, a stronghold is a castle. Castle, a fortress, anything on which one relies. Because see, we hear these church words often, and when we hear them like stronghold, it sounds super deep, but we don't even know what, we don't even know what a stronghold is for many of us, right? He says that it's a fortress, and he says that we don't wage war in the carnal sense, but we use spiritual war, uh, we use spiritual war, and we gird ourselves up. Today we're talking about the belt of truth so that we can pull down strongholds. We've been talking about truth. Everybody say truth. Look at what he says here. Here, peep this, because watch this. Remember, his character is under attack. I'm still in context. We destroy arguments, verse 5. And every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought. Oh man, I can't wait to teach on this a little bit later. Captive to obey Christ. Ah, my God. So the enemy in this case was coming after Paul as it pertained to facts. And in many cases were telling lies on him based upon who he was. But the fact of the matter, he says, is that even though these things will come up against my mind, trying to bring me back to where I came from or trying to lie on me or trying to cause, uh, cause bring, bring marks against my character. He says, I'm not going to fight the way that man fights. He says, instead, I'm going to gird myself up with the word of truth. Which enables me to pull down strongholds. Somebody just do this right here, right here, right here. See, you have the ability, come on somebody, when it is that you're not walking in the flesh, when you fill yourself with the word and the truth of God, every time the enemy may bring some facts your way to try and stop you, you don't have to be in a place where you walk outside in the cold only wearing half of your clothes come on somebody you don't have to only lock three doors and leave one unlocked but i wonder if there's anybody in this place i feel this power i want somebody to know that you have the choice to walk in truth over the facts and you can pull down every fortress i don't care how long you've been trapped in that place come out of there 
I don't care how long you've been, how much, you know, many of us, we've just, a, with the lies of others, we have built stone homes around us. Come out of there. Come on. You can pull that thing down if you would just trust in the truth of God's word over the facts. Stop letting them bring you back to the past. The truth is you are new and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I hear the Bible say freedom is your portion. If you walk in the truth. Walk in the truth. Walk in the truth. Walk in the truth. In fact, just lay hands on your own self. Come on. Put your right hand on your head and declare, I'm going to walk in the truth. Come on. Come on. Say, I come against every fact that tries to pull me back to my past. Come on. Say it with some boldness. Say, I come against every fact that tries to pull me back to my past. Come on, declare it now over yourself. Say, I am who God says I am. Come on, say it like you I am who God says I am. One more time, say, I am who God says I am. Now somebody put your hands together if you believe it and give God the praise in this place. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Mm. I am a child of God Mm. And I'm no longer a slave to fear Mm. I am 